Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Land. Um, today is going to be a little bit strange, I think. I have a new neighbor, I believe. So there's a dog next door that will not stop barking. And um, so I'm really sorry if you hear that in the background. I don't have a way to isolate this podcast from that sound. Uh, hopefully we can sort that out with the neighbor. Um, yeah, in regards to the housekeeping, let's talk about land for a second. So I think what we'll do is... As you know, it's going to be about a five-year turnaround, we're thinking, before we actually even start uh, looking for our land. Although we we look, we just, we think it's going to be about five years before it's optimal for us to move. I think what I'll do is often share with you when I'm on the land side, more of the homesteading projects we're taking on. For example, you know that uh, we are just looking at doing vertical farming um, some indoor growing, etc., and then just things like canning and even just the green changes I've made. So just different things I've switched out in my home that are definitely more environmentally conscious than others. I'm sure that many of you are far ahead of me when it comes to being green, but I think there's also a place for people who are just looking, you know, how do I do this? Even something as simple as just switching out your live light bulbs to LED bulbs. Uh, how do you do that? Like, what do you measure? I'm, that's actually something I'm just doing right now. So I figure it'd be a good thing to start sharing that information with you guys. Uh, and I also think I will start a blog this year on my website. So that's where I'll put how to's, um, etc. Just, I think it'll be really helpful because I know that in my pursuit of making these changes in my life, I'm constantly on people's blogs learning how to do things. Everything from canning to sewing to... It's incredible. Love the internet. Um, Okay, so also, sorry guys that I haven't recorded for a minute. I really am doing my best to try to get as many podcasts up as I can. It just doesn't look feasible for me to have a set schedule. And um, for those of you who don't know, I think you do, but I work in film and television right now. That's how I pay my bills. So between auditions and special gigs and even just like my regular work days, um, here goes the dog. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, it can be a challenge to sort of set things in motion. Um, and that's because I have really weird hours. So if you have an audition, uh, if you work in this industry, you know that you might not even know that until honestly, even sometimes the same day. Like, can you get downtown for four o'clock? Or if I'm working, sometimes I don't even know what time I will start work the next day until 11 p.m. that night, like the night before. So just work with me, guys. I'll do my best to put up podcasts when I'm able to get to them. And, uh, okay. Oh yeah. So actually speaking of film and television, it's really funny because that's where I got the inspiration for the topic of this podcast, uh, while I was at work. So we can be sitting for hours at work. It's kind of crazy. It's hard to explain, but they don't always require you on set doing certain things. So we will sit honestly for hours at times. So I actually pass my time by writing as I work on scripts. Um, I'll work on research for, you know, creative land, etc. So I'm always working, but there's some days that, you know, you're just really tired or you've been there for 
you know, 10 hours already and you're like, oh, I don't think I want to write anymore. So we find really fun ways to pass the time. Some people play cards with each other or um, other types of games or just sit silently. But something I do is if sort of there's some really fun people there or people who are just wanting to pass the time a little quicker, we'll just play some fun games, but just games that are like on a small scale. So one of the ones we do is name that tune. So I actually love um, curating song lists. I have a lot of them in Spotify. And what I have is uh, something I call my classic masters. It's just like vintage music, like music from the 70s, 80s, some 90s. But it's, uh, you know, some of your more obscure rock bands or I shouldn't say obscure, like they weren't during their time, but they may be forgotten now. And we were sitting there playing Name That Tune, and uh, I have some more difficult songs I've added because the people I usually play with, they're just phenomenal. Like, they, within three beats of the song, they can name the artist and the title. It's insane. But I stumped them, actually. Um, I was sitting there, and I came across a song, and I played it. It happens to be one of my favorite songs, but if you're not into it, you're not going to know it. Um, possibly you won't know it. And sure enough, they couldn't name the song. So it was kind of fun because it was the first time I had really stumped all three of them. And that song kept playing and they didn't have any guesses. So they were just trying to get it by listening. And the next thing I know, this girl comes around the corner. She was a PA on set. And she asks with barely controlled excitement, is that the last unicorn? Uh, And again, if you know the movie, then you'll know that song and you'll love it. But if you're not into that movie, you more than likely don't know the song. Um, The point of my story there is that I, I couldn't believe, and she was really young too. So it wasn't even like the movie was out you know, during her time, like it must've been either her parents introduced her to it or something along those lines. And I just couldn't believe that this girl got it. Like from around the corner, she comes and she's just like, is that the last unicorn? And the point of that story is that no matter how obscure the, the art that you're into or the art that you're creating, um, you will have a tribe. And so that's what the topic of this podcast is you will have a tribe. And the reason that I bring that up is because it's a fear that I see a lot in artists. Um, They face this fear that basically no one will like what I do. So they're preoccupied with that, like thinking, what do people think of what it is I'm doing as opposed to just concentrating on what it is they want to do. And to be honest, that's a really like glass half empty view. It's very extreme to think that no one will be into your art. I guarantee you someone will be. Um, And it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fringy it is, strange, obscure. It doesn't matter what your particular creative pursuit is. There are going to people or sorry, be people who are into it. Um, As if you follow me on some of my other channels, you'll know that I'm, I'm really inspired by what other artists do and not just within my own sort of genre of art. I get really inspired by especially like artists who just do something super unique, something where I'm like, I can't even believe someone thought to make that art or make that their, what they do every day. And, um, you know, there's some really creative, I I follow some really unique creative sites and there's, I know this one person who, um, that's a man, I think, and he carves tiny sculptures or like typographic compositions into the lead of pencils. Like, can you imagine how small that work is? Like, it's insane. I'll try to link actually a video of his to this episode when I do put it up on on my website. But it's insane. Just 
even to think of doing that and then the precision that it takes. And I've watched him. There's times when he just applies a little too much pressure and the lead snaps and he has to start all over again. But it's just, it's such a unique pursuit. So um, yeah, people like that inspire me. I know there's another guy I follow who does Urban Street Miniatures. Uh, it's insane with weathered buildings and they look like they're falling apart and complete with graffiti on the walls that he paints. Like it is unbelievable detail. It looks completely real and it's, you know, one twenty-fourth scale or something. It's, it's honestly, it's so beautiful. Um, again, I'll try to link some stuff and, or even just think about, you know, eco-temporary art. I don't know if you guys are aware of that style of art, but it's like mud paintings or intricate branch and rock compositions or icicle sculptures. Um, so there's these artists who are highly um, aware of environment issues and they choose to not create art that stays like anything that can't sort of degrade. So they do things like they'll go out into the woods and find really unique rocks and then make some sort of composition and then bend branches that have already fallen on the ground into I mean, honestly, it's incredible. You've got to see these sorts of things. Uh, they're really inspirational. And again, I'm just bringing them up because it really doesn't matter what it is you want to do artistically. It really like don't limit yourself. It can be it can be something that you just think is bizarre or that other people think is bizarre, but if you're moved to do it, do it. Just jump in and do it. I know there was um I just posted recently on my Pinterest, and actually if you want to see a lot of this art that I'm talking about. Um, I am on Pinterest just under my regular name and the board you would look for is the one titled interesting art. I'll have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of art I've been collecting over the years, really strange, uh, or not strange, just different. Um, then I want people to see that you don't have to lock yourself into, I'm just going to be a painter or I'm just going to do calligraphy or I'm just going to do, you know, it really can be just whatever you're drawn to whatever it is you're drawn to, there will be, there will be an audience for it. Um, yeah, there's a guy on there too, who makes three-dimensional head sculptures out of wooden sticks. And again, you, you actually have to see this one. I won't even be able to explain it because you won't believe he just piles them one on another and, and just pulls them forward and pushes them back until he makes these incredible facial sculptures. It's just, it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, you can see that it really doesn't matter. Even the most niche art, like there will be an audience for you. And I just really want to, really want to drive that home. I don't want you to be limited in what you think art is or how you express yourself creatively. Um, I know that if you guys have seen my art, <laughs> you know that I'm kind of out there. That's because I tend to try different styles. Um, so I've sort of fallen into a couple. In fact, I'm working on a new series of art um, it's sort of cathartic art for me. And I'll explain more when I put my first piece out, that'll be a part of that series. But, you know, some of my paintings are, are really out there. And one that comes to mind actually is one called El Pelo, which in Spanish means the hair. And it was just a bizarre experience from beginning to end. I actually kind of got tired of like my regular canvas shape. So regular landscape or portrait proportions. And I ended up going to, uh, I think it was Opus where I bought my canvas that day. And I found just a really interesting shape canvas. So it was elongated. So I flipped it up on its end so that it was narrow. It was very narrow and then extremely tall. 
and I brought it home and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. I just, this was me just playing, me just having fun, exploring what it is that I want to do. And what I did, and I do this often, is I'll hang a canvas on the wall or put it, prop it up somewhere that I sit often so I can stare at it because... I mean, it might sound a little cheesy, but the truth is sometimes when I do that, the the painting just sort of reveals itself. So suddenly I'll see something on the canvas and I get inspired to, to move on it. So in this instance, I propped it up on my easel and I just sort of left the easel in the corner in the living room, I think. And I just kept looking at this easel and I don't know why, but all I could see was a face. But the strange thing was the face wasn't halfway up the canvas. It was it was right at the bottom. And that's all I saw. Every time I looked at the canvas, I just saw a face at the bottom. And the problem with that is that, you know, I had like another two feet of canvas vertically. I didn't even know what was supposed to go above the face or like how to fill that in. Or was it going to be a crazy background? And it just wasn't coming to me. I actually left that canvas there for quite some time before I decided to jump in. And the day I jumped in, I just started drawing the face because that's what I saw. I'm like, well, this is what you know, so let's just do it. So I saw the face in the bottom, started drawing the face one day, and the next thing I know, um, I just kept drawing. Like I just kept let letting my hand sort of do as it will, and it drew curvy lines above the head. And I realized halfway through that process what was happening. I was drawing her hair um on top of her head and as opposed to like hair that falls down the face was at the bottom and I made this like gigantic updo and it was so fun I'm not gonna lie I love that painting it's just got it was just fun it was cartoonish you know very primitive just I felt like a kid playing it was bright colors and um nowhere near realism whatsoever it was just uh really fun and again don't forget that's why you do art right not only to express yourself but for joy like stay connected to that joy. Um, and yeah, so I finished the painting and it has these weird like loopy tubes through it. Like it doesn't even make any sense, the painting, but I loved it. Like I literally loved it. And so many people who saw it just had a reaction to it. And I think it's because it was unique. You know, it was, it was authentic. It was unique. And, um, the reason I bring that painting up is because at one point in my life and my career, trying to get this art thing going, I actually joined sort of like an artist commune type thing, you know, like a guild, like an artist guild. And one of the things they do is that they had this sort of co-op space at one point where we could all have our own little booths or little rooms. Uh, I think it used to be a bank. So, you know, all the offices you see for the managers. So they turned those all into uh, rentable spaces at, you know, really decent prices for uh, artists. And I took one. The problem was I put all my art and I was so excited. The problem was I was working full time and the hours of the studio just didn't jive. Like the only time I could be at the studio was on the weekend. And to be honest, raising a kid, working full time, then also trying to create the art. There were just times that on the weekend, I just couldn't make it in. So I realized at one point that I actually hadn't been there for a couple of months and I, that's when I started like, okay, this trying to work full time and do art, you know, we'll get into that story another day, but I realized it wasn't working. But something that came out of that was I went into the studio after not being there for a good couple of months, two to three months, I think. And um, when I went in, there was a, a message for me, but it wasn't very clear. And actually when I went home, I had an email in one of my really obscure emails, like an older email that I didn't use. And I got this email 
And it was from a woman who had seen my painting, but she couldn't see it all the way just because of where it was hung in my space. And she said, you know, I've been looking for you or trying to reach you for three months. And the people, unfortunately, not putting them down, you know, they're busy people too. They just never got me the information. I was not even aware that this woman was trying to reach me. And I see this email from her and she's just so, she wants to see this painting, but she wants to see it clearly. She could only see it from the side. And she asked if I could meet her there. And uh, I did. And she loved it. She freaking loved, loved the painting. And... I remember thinking that's so bizarre because it was like tucked back, kind of hidden. I hadn't been there. I didn't even return her messages. I didn't, I wasn't getting them. Uh, so the first time I had contact was when she finally found an obscure email for me online somewhere on some old site and just emailed me directly. And the effort that she put forward, it, it, I mean, the painting was for her the minute I showed her the full length of it, she was like, yes, I want it. Like it was, it was immediately hers. And what's crazy about that is I, it was such a strange painting. I had no idea who was going to buy it because I thought it was almost on the silly side. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way to myself. I just mean, you know, I find that a lot of, or my perception of a lot of art collectors is that they collect sort of higher end, fancier looking, more realistic type art for their walls. But you know, it just goes to show you, no matter what you create, there is someone for it. And, you know, actually one little side story <laughs> in regards to that art, just because I think it's fun. And these are the kinds of people that are brought into my life when I'm being authentically me and following my path and my joy. It just seems that I garner like just kindred spirits to me, like people who think the way that I do, people that bring out even better parts of myself. And I just find people to be very loving and interesting when I am being myself. That might sound strange. I'm not sure how to explain that. What I mean is when I'm, you know, putting on a face, then you sort of draw to you what you put out. I guess that's the best way to say it. And when I'm putting out my authentic self and my true self, it seems like the people that are drawn to that are people that I just jive with really easily. Like I just find them so inspiring themselves. So this woman, this is just a little side story on this painting, um, is such a sweet woman. When I was selling that painting, my daughter actually got really upset. So that painting had been hanging on the wall for years because we liked it so much. Like I liked it so much. I didn't want to sell it. And um, I actually had a couple offers in some other ways. And I said, no, uh, just I couldn't let go of it. And so my daughter saw me doing this. And I guess in the back of her mind, she was thinking, oh, my mom's never going to sell that. And honestly, she shared with me that she thought it would be hers one day, the painting. She loved it that much. Or I do remember once when she was young, she's like, mommy, how much is that painting? And I told her and she's like, okay, because I'm going to save up to buy it from you. Like, how cute is that? Um, but what happened was when I sold this painting, when I went to drop it off to deliver it to the, the customer, uh, my daughter came with me and she was just so forlorn. Like <laughs> she was so depressed that the painting was leaving and she was saying goodbye to it. And this wonderful woman who purchased this painting actually turned to her and said like, Oh, why are you so down? And, and uh, I piped up, I didn't know what she was going to say. I shouldn't have done that, but I piped up over top of her and I said, Oh, she just, this was one of her favorite paintings. So she's just a little sad to see it go. And, uh, this lovely woman, it's, it's just incredible what some people do turned to my daughter and said, I can tell how much you love this work. And that is what art is about. So the day that I pass, 
you will have this painting back. What? Like what? So not only did she pay for the painting, she's actually going to gift it back to my daughter. I, I don't even, like, some people are just so incredible. So, and she followed through with that. She actually sent me an email. She has my address. We've spoken since then. She's dead serious about it. And I just thought that was just really, really cool. And I just want to share with you again, when you're on your authentic path, these are the sorts of stories. These are the sorts of things, the types of people that you're going to run into. So just, just really inspiring. Um, so back to our regular <laughs> program here. Uh, yeah, so I actually became um, friends with her and spent some time with her over the next little while. And what an interesting, wonderful woman. Um, she actually uh, has an unbelievable art collection. And her collection has everything from like pop art to primitive art, um, just really different things, not what I would expect to be in such a high end home. Um, and it, and it works, it works because that's her curating her own art and being authentically her. So my point is that regardless of what you're doing, you will find a tribe and you just, you have to believe that. Um, and I guess on the flip side of that, uh, I do need to make another important point not everyone is going to like your work. You know, like I'm saying that you're going to find a tribe and I guarantee you, you will if you start putting out your authentic art, but it doesn't mean that everyone will like it. Um, and that shouldn't even be your goal uh, for many reasons, right? Like psychological ones, as well as how it will hinder your art if you're trying to put out things that are like palatable to the largest percentage of people. It really will just start warping your art um, you have to ask yourself, why is it that you want to be creative in the first place? When you think of what it's like, um, creativity, really, it's like an intuition inside of you to, to explore and have fun. So if that's not what's going on, then honestly, you're going to have a tough time of it. Even if you can use, um, getting someone else's approval as a motivation to start in the first place. Like I'm going to do this because I think it will sell it like, cause you're after money or, you know, I'm going to do this because, uh, this girl thinks this is really cool. So I'll get into art. Like that's never going to sustain you. It, it has to be enough for you to do the art yourself because honestly it will really change your art if you're concerned about what other people are thinking of it or even motivating yourself that way. Like, let me do this because it should sell. Um, I actually have a quote that I'll read to you that I think is really interesting uh, from a man named Nathaniel Brandon. I think he was a psychologist who worked specifically on like self-esteem. So the quote is, the more you surrender to the fear of someone's disapproval, the more you lose face in your own eyes and the more desperate you become for someone's approval. Within you is a void that should have been filled by self-esteem. When you attempt to fill it with the approval of others instead, the void grows deeper and the hunger for acceptance and approval grows stronger. The only solution is to summon the courage to honor your own judgment, frightening though that may be in the beginning, <laughs> which I can relate to that. You guys, you've heard my stories about how I started and just not thinking anyone was going to like or buy my art. But if I can help you guys sort of avoid that step, avoid falling down there so that you can start off like way stronger than I did, then, then that's what I'm here to do. That's honestly one of the reasons and the driving forces behind creating this, this podcast was simply to make sure that I could impact other people's lives positively, but that's the hope anyway. So I just want to encourage you guys again, that if you have, um, 
you know, any hesitancy based on whether or not you think someone's going to like it, please just plow through that. Just dig in and, and find that strength. Um, actually, because uh, I have another quote from the same man, self-esteem is the reputation we acquire with ourselves. And that's the important thing about being an artist. It's actually the process of self-inquiry and self-expression because it leads you to that reward. The reward of creativity really comes from joy uh, and like knowing yourself, but also loving yourself and loving what you do. And that's a pride that, you know, a healthy pride that you can have in your work. Um, You have to believe in what you're doing. Basically, you have to believe in yourself. This is true, honestly, in all facets of your life, but it is so true in artistic expression. When you have the courage to put yourself out there, the real you, like I mean your actual self out there through your art or whatever it is you're doing, then the authenticity of what you're doing, like that's what appeals to the right people. And yeah, basically you will find your tribe. So that's it for today. And you leave me any comments if you'd like on the website. And again, thank you for joining me. See you next time.